The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. There's good news. Good evening. That's the guy. Go ahead, scare me to death. I'm ready. I'm ready. Scare me, man. Come on now. And welcome to Lights Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, scare me. I was dumb enough to do whatever the guy said to do on the radio. Turn your lights out. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. They're out, they're out. Go on, scare me to death. I'm ready. Tonight's episode is about a chicken heart. A chicken heart that ate up New York City. Yeah, go chicken heart, go. Go get him, eat him up chicken heart. Scare me to death, I'm, re I'm ready, I'm ready. There have been many different ways of dealing with fear, but the popularity of telling stories that are meant to frighten and disturb us is quite fascinating. We as audience members actively seek out ways for us to be frightened, from haunted housewalks to roller coasters and, of course, scary movies. These are all tests of our will, and that adrenaline rush that comes from making it through these events makes us feel that much stronger. On this episode of Arts Review and Commentary, it's all about how the supernatural can scare us. This is Ark. God bless television. To the movies. To good movies. To every possible kind. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Is that a hair gel? <coughs> Loud noises! There's no crying in baseball! That's not even a word! Game over, man. Game over. I'll be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! These are their stories. From now on, I order you watch more television than ever before. Welcome to another episode of Arts Review and Commentary. My name is Omar Latiri, and the good news keeps on coming. My sincerest apologies to those who were expecting this episode a week earlier. I'll try my best to make sure that doesn't happen again. Only a few episodes in, and I have a listener saying she's addicted. Another listener told me she listened to an episode while in her shower. Yeah, baby! Please keep your eye out for artsreviewandcommentary.com, where not only episodes of the show will be archived, but my reviews and essays from years past will also be available to read. So, we've all been watching movies and TV shows for many, many years, and we've come to understand different storytelling languages, depending on the format. Western cinema is traditionally structured into three acts, while episodic television is structured into four to six acts, premium cable shows and Netflix original series notwithstanding. Within those stories, there are different formula or tropes used depending on the genre of the story. These tropes have become so part of our subconscious that we immediately notice when things are different. Anyone who saw The Hobbit in 48 frames per second knows exactly what I'm talking about. The storytelling language used to scare us on screen has been around since the days of theater. With the advent of motion pictures, manipulating film with visual effects and editing added to that language. Nowadays, we're trained to feel scared with certain cues. What's surprising 
is how many of those cues are heard and not seen. We start with setting a sound that is meant to put us ill at ease. No, not that. Something like this. We know something is going to happen, but we don't know from where or what it'll be. We can also add some sounds, like whispering. Or we can take away some sounds. All this sets up for a stinger. It's always a bit too loud, and it always comes when you least expect it. The cliché is that it's been a cat all along, but when you catch your breath, it's silent. Then, add some gross sound effects. And ta-da, we're scared. So now we have the formula, but where do we use it in a story? Rom-coms don't generally call for fright, and in a comedy, the formula becomes satirical. In psychological thrillers and suspense movies, the fear comes from the shocking circumstances surrounding the characters and not necessarily from the surprise stingers. Take, for example, The Silence of the Lambs or Seven. So why does this formula work best in a supernatural thriller or horror movie? I say it's because those movies deal with the mystery of the unknown. When you have a movie grounded in reality, even one as disturbing as Seven, you as an audience member know that the movie is going to follow certain rules. There won't be any surprises such as a levitating corpse or demonic possession. But with the supernatural, the rules of the real world can be bent or broken. The dead are no longer confined to being motionless. Enemies aren't confined to gravity or obstacles such as doors or walls. You're vulnerable no matter where you are, even in the most private places, like, say, your bathroom. How many times in the movies and TV have we been shocked by a face in the mirror after closing a medicine cabinet? Hello? Now, that kind of shock is very visual. Television and film are unique in that artists can edit the timing of specific sight cues to maximize the intensity of the scare. And timing is everything. Showing us something scary isn't enough. We have to be unprepared for it. The best way to do that is to hide it from our vision, usually around a hallway corner or behind an obstacle. Another way is to lose focus on an object so that we're lulled into a state of curiosity. We used to go to every harem picture in the world. I'm telling you right now, we would go and we would see Frankenstein. We'd walk a hundred miles to see Frankenstein. And mind you, we never saw the monster once. Never saw him once, because we were too scared to look at him. And we had the best seats in the movie. We used to sit right up front. I mean, right up front. That's where you can see everything. You just look right up front there. And we'd say to each other, you gonna look at the monster this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't lie now. If you're not gonna look at him, say that. You might as well get right on the floor now if you're not gonna look at him. You didn't look at him the last time. Yes, I did. Don't lie. Put it on. Oh, look out. That's where we stayed for 12 days. Used to go home with 100 black jujifruits all on our backs. Yeah. 
and that's why we see horror movies. Even though we know the reveal can't be anything other than frightening, we still want to see. Because if we're able to look at the screen, we've passed our own small test of bravery. My first test came not from a supernatural thriller, but a sci-fi thriller. Namely, James Cameron's Aliens. Help! What? Tuck it over here, we got a live one! You're gonna be alright, you're gonna be alright. Stay calm, we're gonna get you out of here. Gonna be alright. Give me a hand. We gotta get her out of here. Convulsion! Get back! Get back! Get back! Get back! Get back! Get back! I was only 11 when I first saw it, and it was my first R-rated movie. We were at a friend's birthday party, and you might be asking yourself, what kind of parents play aliens at a kid's birthday party? The answer, of course, is the awesome kind. Sure, I was scared, but it was awesome. Even though a lot of people died in horrible ways, the kids survived. And in a sense, so did I. The scariest movie I've seen to this day is still The Exorcist. It features the most disturbing subliminal edits that I've seen in a motion picture, and even thinking about the movie weirds me out. I have no problem walking by The Exorcist staircase in Georgetown, but I don't think I could watch that movie again alone at night. I've never really been a connoisseur of horror movies, but I've come to appreciate them. It takes a good deal of skill to be able to manipulate the emotions of someone who's familiar with the genre, and as audiences are getting more and more savvy to the techniques of fright making, yes, that's a word because I say so, artists have to come up with new and inventive ways to scare people. And I do have to admit, it's becoming harder to do. Two television shows on the air now, Sleepy Hollow and American Horror Story, are meant to be frightening, but they're really just entertaining. The opening credit sequence of American Horror Story is scarier than the actual show. In fact, the last thing I watched that really frightened me was The Ring. The Ring introduced many Western audiences to the Japanese style of horror. In the West, there are certain expectations we have in stories, in that we have set good guys and bad guys, and we want to see the good guys win and destroy the bad guys and the threat they carry. But in Japanese horror, the underlying attitude is not that the protagonists win, but that no matter what they do, they will not be able to defeat the evil spirit or whatever that they're fighting against. It speaks to an Eastern philosophy of the perpetual inferiority of humanity to the supernatural. Evil can't be vanquished because it's a part of this world. Because in spite of what Mike says now, it is my fault. Because it was my project. And I insisted. I insisted on everything. I insisted that we weren't lost. I insisted that we keep going. I insisted that we walk south. Everything had to be my way. And this is where we've ended up. 
and it's all because of me that we're here now. <laughs> Hungry and cold and hunted. One other movie that scared me was The Blair Witch Project. The biggest reason that movie scared me as much as it did was the way it was marketed. The Sci-Fi Channel aired a special about the finding of the film that would become The Blair Witch Project and I actually believed the ad campaign saying that this was found footage. Now, fake stories posing as reality have been around since the radio airing of War of the Worlds, but for some reason I really actually thought that this was a legit story. Yeah, it seems stupid now to think that something like that movie or Paranormal Activity were documentaries. But 14 years ago, people were willing to believe all kinds of crazy things. Like seeing Darth Vader as a little kid was going to be awesome. I'm going to give you four words to live by. New is always better. You know what frightens me the most? It's getting trapped into thinking that everything was better in the past. I look at so many people whose adult lives are so empty because they couldn't figure out how to let go of what made them happy when they were a kid with no cares in the world. They didn't grow up, they grew old. The scariest people are the ones who cocoon themselves in their own crotchetiness, utterly convinced that the best things in life already came and there's little value in what's to come. So those new Star Wars movies, those are better than the old ones? Yeah. The first three barely mention the intricacies of intergalactic trade law. Okay, maybe some things in the past are better. That's it for this episode of Arts Review and Commentary. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a five-star review. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcreviews. Follow the show on Twitter at arcreviews. And you can email me at artsreviewandcommentary at gmail.com. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is Arc. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. Hey, it's Kirk McEwen from the Kirk and Al Show. We love you listening, and we're going to show you every day. Al, what are you about? I'm all sunshine. Stash? I'm proud to be third chair trumpet in this band. Sidekick Mike. I go to a different school. Everybody knows. We're going to say it like it is. On the Kirk and Al Show, nobody's safe. Thanks for listening on The Realm Network. It's the Kirk and Al Show, only on the Realm Network.